this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i'm your host g sampath sudan a country which has for long been at the bottom or close to the bottom of nearly every human development indicator is again in turmoil Civilian Prime Minister Abdullah Hamdok announced his resignation in a televised address on Sunday. Since 2019, Hamdok had been leading a transitional government in which power was shared between the military and the civilian leadership. But the military overthrew the government in a coup last October and Hamdok was kept under house arrest. Following international pressure, the military made a deal with Hamdok and on November 21 he returned as Prime Minister. And now he's gone again. leaving the military fully in command of the levers of power so why exactly did the military pull the plug on the joint civilian military governance arrangement in october why did hamdok make a deal with the military in november only to quit a few weeks later in january and what are the chances of sudan making a successful transition to democracy we explore these questions and more with stanley johnny the hindu's international affairs editor Stanley thank you so much for joining us. Thank you Samba thanks for having me here again. Uh Stanley to start with can you uh, give us a quick overview of the events and factors uh, that have culminated in the resignation of Sudan's uh, prime minister Abdullah Hamdok a uh, couple of days back. Uh see uh, Hamdok was as you rightly said in the introduction he was ousted by the military in the coup earlier this year. uh and then after that you know he was under house arrest for four weeks and then he was reinstated by general burhan but without the sovereignty council so that's what the military wanted see the military saw the sovereignty council which was formed as part of the power sharing agreement signed between the military and the civilian leaders in 2019 they saw the council as a threat to the military's fundamental interests So the sovereignty council is like is it like the cabinet of a yeah basically it was the government it was the government that replaced the military transitional council the military transitional council was formed after Omar Bashir was forced to resign so if you look at the chronology in late 2018 the protest mass protests broke out in Sudan and the protesters were you know they were targeting the regime of Omar Bashir Bashir was in power for three decades and the military at one point of time because there Sudan so months long disobedience movement civil disobedience movement street protests mass mobilization etc etc and the military realized that you know their interests were at stake so they decided to ditch Omar Bashir they got rid of him and then the military did not go power to the civilian leaders immediately they formed a transitional council and then they continued to unleash violence on the protesters but the protesters didn't relent they continued their movement and then finally the military was forced to sign a power sharing agreement with the civilian leaders as a result of which the sovereignty council was formed and the sovereignty council actually it was the sovereignty council that appointed hamdok as the prime minister and the council was in power it was the de facto government and the council was in power until the coup earlier earlier 2021 and in the coup hamdok was ousted he was put under house arrest the sovereignty council was disbanded and the military chief general abdul fatah al burhan declared a state of emergency 
etc etc so the military you know again they took direct powers they, they took powers directly in their hands after the coup but the problem is that you know right from the beginning of the mass protests in sudan the military underestimated the will of the protesters that's what i think because yeah they made concessions only when they were forced to make concession but at every stage of making concessions they resisted they resisted a fully transition to democracy and they tried everything they could do to protect the interests of the military and uh, again when they staged the coup maybe sudan's generals thought that they could like the myanmar model what we call the myanmar model they could consolidate power in their hands like general ong men fleng did in myanmar but the problem is that in sudan i think the protesters had you know they had accumulated some kind of political capital they are not ready to withdraw and not ready to leave the streets and the military realized that it would be extremely unpopular if they continue to exercise total control over the government so they wanted a face saving deal so they reinstated abdullah hamdok again as prime minister they cut a deal with him and they they asked him to form a technocratic government but the thing is that a technocratic government without the sovereignty council without the support of the actual civilian political leadership which means the military may have calculated that they could exercise greater control over civilian faced government and they could also continue to play an important role in the country's so called transition into democracy whatever that would be according to the military but then that plan also collapsed because the protesters did not accept abdullah hamdok as the prime minister after he was reinstated because they saw that hamdok had cut a deal with the military and that deal would only help the military to continue its interests so they continued the protest the protest some 50 people were killed uh, after hamdok was reinstated in protest so then and hamdok himself is not a politician he is not a general he was a technocrat a trained economist who was picked by the sovereignty council and then the hamdok realized that he lacks mass support and maybe he doesn't want to be a pawn of the military so he has announced the resignation so the military's plan of consolidating power through a pawn to a technocratic uh, you know government that would not have any autonomy that plan also collapsed with hamdok's resignation now okay so coming back to the october coup what what was the immediate trigger i mean why was why did the coup happen in october and not in january or you know september there seemed to be some indication that they had to give up uh, some kind of a power uh, arrangement or something like that for a, for a transitional uh, framework where they will go to the election is there some was there some kind of a deadline approaching for the military that they decided to act in october yeah that's right because hamdok was the prime minister but burhan was the head of the sovereignty council according to the 2019 agreement and then after 2 years the military was scheduled to hand over powers entire powers of the sovereignty council to the civilian leadership that was the agreement signed in 2019 and according to that agreement so when the coup actually happened in 2021 within a few weeks general burhan was supposed to hand over powers to the civilian leadership so by staging the coup uh, in october he had actually prevented that happening and so he disbanded the sovereignty council and took powers took the reins of the government directly in the military's hand so this shows that you know the military as i said earlier at every juncture every critical juncture of this what the sudanese protesters called the sudanese revolution which started in 2018 
at every juncture they resisted handing over power, more powers to the civilians or making more concessions or you know uh, supporting the transition so in 2019 they were forced to make the concession because there was no other go but then the military as what we can see now after the coup the military calculated that or the military saw the power sharing agreement only only a face saving concession they did not mean to support fully transition a full transition into democracy of sudan so that's why they did uh, with a few weeks uh, left before general burhan to hand over powers to the civilian leadership they staged the coup and then they took powers back in the hands of the military and interestingly the the civilian government uh, hamdok's government was doing relatively well compared to sudan's history under omar bashir's rule because uh, of course there were problems the economy uh, was in a shambles it continues to be but uh, you see uh, they had uh, outlawed the female genital mutilation and then uh, sudan was taken off uh, the list of uh, uh, state sponsors of terrorism and then they reached out to international agencies and countries the united states announced uh, more financial aid after sudan was lifted off the list of state sponsors of terrorism and imf uh, came up with a debt relief package and sudan was slowly i mean at least it was joining the international economic and political mainstream they made peace as part of trump's uh, abraham accord initiative they made peace with israel so there were some you know certain measures that the sudanese government had uh, taken and then uh, the, milit- the the civilian leadership the civilian government had the enormous political support as well among the public and the military saw this as a threat they may have thought that uh, you know the civilian leaders would not be able to calculate would not be able to mobilize or gather political support but what happened was exactly the opposite because the military in sudan is a despised uh, institution they have power they are very enormously powerful but at the same time it is a hated institution whereas on the other side the uh, you know uh, the civilian leaders who rose from this protest movement and the protest movement was largely driven by the sudanese professional association which is a civil society uh, umbrella comprising mostly middle class activists and this group uh, has emerged immensely popular in sudan so the military saw these developments as a threat as a challenge to its deeply entrenched interests in a country which was uh, you know directly or indirectly controlled by the military for 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 more than 3 decades so uh, that's why they finally decided that it's time to act and then they stage the coup again risking sudan's normalization were there also points of conflict between the civilian and the and the military uh, elements in the sovereignty council over um, moves to hold the military and uh, and members of the military accountable for war crimes and etc yeah that's also there because the government uh, the civilian leadership had said that they would hand over omar bashir into the international uh, court of justice for uh, trial and then you know the government wanted to hold the military uh, leaders accountable for the crimes against humanity and war crimes that they committed in the past uh, including in dafa and uh, south sudan uh, and the problem is that if you are putting omar bashir on trial what about those who executed the policies of omar bashir and that includes general burhan that includes general hameti who is the vice president of the junda now 
so uh, that is also uh, you know a critical uh, point of uh, divergence between the military and the civilian leadership because general burhan saw that if the civilian leadership are going to hold the military accountable for the crimes it committed in the past it would not stop with uh, amr bashir that means other military generals would also be there would be questions raised against other military leaders as well including general burhan so definitely that was also a matter of uh, contention between these two right so it, it does look like the military is deeply unpopular in the country and yet uh, its hold on power seems to be rather uh, tight and firm so is there uh, i mean who, where does this military draw its power from i mean is it from internally within sudan there are certain uh, ethnic uh, forces or uh, sections which are uh, backing it or is it from outside some from say the persian gulf autocracies uh, which probably do not uh, want to see a secular democratic country uh, in the horn of africa yeah i think it's both factors in a sense internally uh, it is a highly repressive regime and the military was in power for more than 3 decades so it's a deeply entrenched institution uh, it controls the levers of economy it controls the state apparatus and uh, it controlled everything in judiciary everything when omar bashir was in power so uh, it has built you know uh, basically the today's sudan's the levers of sudan's uh, regime was built by uh, the military institution so and and also there they have also promoted paramilitary organizations military aligned paramilitary organizations that cracks down on the protesters that unleashes violence on the protesters so you look at sudan's you know the structure of sudanese state it has been controlled by absolutely controlled by the military so it doesn't need popular support it it lacks popular support but when it's become so oppressive it doesn't need popular support to sustain the regime but it was being challenged by the popular mobilizations that's that's why we saw some changes in the last few years so internally you see it is a highly oppressive state absolutely controlled by the military and the generals and externally if you look at it sudan's military is closely aligned with the the military of egypt which is also in power in egypt and as well as the gulf kingdoms of saudi arabia and the uae so you look at the the egyptian military you know the egyptian military actually went through the same uh, more or less the same process because in egypt there was uh, in 2011 uh the arab spring movement was there M- mubarak's government was brought down and then uh, there was a tra- military transitional council and then there were elections and the muslim brotherhood came to power in the first democratically held elections in egypt mosi became the uh, president but then the military saw the rise of the brothers or the democratic process as a threat to its interests and it staged a coup just 2 years after you know, you know the the egyptian the so called egyptian revolution and the military back in was back in power and then the military of you know led by general abdel abdel fatah al sisi used brute force against the protesters they killed hundreds of people in egypt uh, and then they established the regime a kind of a stable a highly delicate but a regime in a military regime in egypt that's what the egyptians did and the sudanese military would like to do the same you know that's why they staged the coup now actually the trajectories are parallel you compare it with what happened in egypt and the gulf connection comes in whereas uh, you know the gulf monarchies 
they do not want any kind of democratic movement to take shape in these countries because they they see that that would pose threat to their hold on power eventually their hold on power and they also see that the popular movements in these countries whether it is in egypt sudan uh, or in libya so in these countries they they term them as political islamist and uh, you know that poses threat to you know, the dictatorships or the monarchies because these movements are mainly republicans republican movements with some democratic roots also uh, sudan uh, the, the new regime under hamdullah didn't they uh, in minute used to be an islamic republic but he made it a uh, secular constitutional is is that is that right yeah yeah in sudan compared to egypt i mean uh, in egypt it was the muslim brotherhood that was in power that came to power in sudan it is largely the movement the protest movement was largely uh, secular and middle class oriented that's right the brothers were not very active in sudan but the the problem is that they were also republicans from the gulf if you look at it from the gulf monarchy's point of view like the brothers muslim brotherhood they they were a, they were an islamist movement but it is a political islamist republican movement like in the in, in in the case of sudan also they were also pushing for they were republicans they were pushing for their anti dictatorial anti military they were pushing for political reforms they were pushing for democracy they were pushing for uh, you know uh, people's participation in the political process so everything stands opposed to the very political ideas that the gulf kingdoms represent uh so that is also there and then they they have maintained a very deep relationship with the military establishments in both in sudan and egypt and the military uh, regimes in these two countries also the, the, you know the, the military militaries of these two countries also have very close relationship and if you look at uh, africa they also see ethiopia as a threat there is uh, a dispute going on between sudan and uh, uh egypt on the one side and ethiopia on the other side whereas ethiopia is building a dam in blue nile uh and the sudanese and the egyptian militaries recently held military drills in the region etc etc so so you see a regional alignment as well on the one side so whether it is egypt the gulf kingdoms so politically and geopolitically and also ideologically these forces are coming together and they are propping up the sudanese military irrespective of their crackdown on the protests or the coup they staged in the country right earlier you made an interesting reference to the myanmar model so this sudan seems to be sort of going towards the egyptian model of of military consolidation yeah i think in sudan the the problem the mistake the military did was that they miscalculated the will of the protesters so in uh, myanmar immediately the military could consolidate power and they continue to use extremely brute force against the protesters you know we hear news about protesters being burned alive and then um, uh, massacres uh, carried out by the military etc etc uh, and in egypt it took time it took time but then they went through some kind of you know uh, egyptian military they it's farcical but still they held elections and abdul fatah al sisi became the president so the egyptian military regime while it is actually a military regime but the government says that the government of general abdul abdul fatah al sisi is a continuation of the egyptian revolution that is the narrative the egyptians are uh, saying so sudan yes that's what the military would like to do they would not uh, the sudanese military says the official line is that we are committed to transition they don't say that we are against the revolution 
The military says that we supported the removal of Omar Bashir. So we supported the popular will. So we represent that legacy of the revolution. That is the narrative they would like to create. But at the same time, what they actually want to do is to retain the privileges of the military, is to remain the most important institution in the country, is to have a clear outsized influence over the country's transition into another political system, whatever it is. So basically, the military wants to stop a fully democratic transition of Sudan. So which means the military will have to go back to the barracks and the military that was in power for three decades. And the Sudanese generals would not like to do that. So this is the main, uh, you know, contradiction uh, in, in, in Sudan compared to Myanmar. Yeah. Right. So it's very clear from what you're saying that the military is determined to prevent uh, a full democratic uh, transition. So what has been the West's response to the coup and the aftermath of the coup, including the resignation? Do you think the international community has the political will to impose, say, targeted sanctions on the military regime? And if it does so, can it help bring about a successful uh, democratic transition? So I, I don't think sanctions uh, would have a direct impact on Sudan's political transition. But of course, the international community can punish the generals for the crimes they are committing in the country. And the United States has already frozen uh, the announced uh, uh, financial aid for Sudan. And this, is, uh, this comes at a time when Sudan is going through a very difficult economic period. We see reports of food shortages, medicine shortages, fuel shortages, and inflation has already gone through, say, 400% in recent months. And uh, the United Nations estimates that at least one third of the country's 43 million people would be facing, would, would require uh, humanitarian assistance in 2022. So uh, the country is going through a very difficult period uh, economically. And then uh, the, the freezing of the assets, etc., etc., would actually uh, make the situation worse. And since the economic situation is uh, uh, very bad, the military finds it extremely difficult to consolidate power because the people are already angry over political changes and they are becoming furious over uh, the economic hardships they are facing. So uh, uh, it is, uh, you know, all these things are actually adding up. So the international community can you know, they can punish the generals, whether they would do it, uh, we will have to see. But I think there is internationally, they all are pushing for the United States and other countries are actually, uh, at least uh, uh, verbally, they are asking for, uh, asking the military to go ahead with the democratic transition, conduct elections, etc., etc. Uh, so what the military is doing, I think, is, see, um, General Burhan says that he is committed to transition. So the military knows that Taking over the ruins of the country directly or, or establishing a direct military rule would be extremely unpopular. Uh, so that's why they reinstated Hamdok. So they now that the Hamdok is gone, the military has power, but the military is in a difficult position. Because, yeah, direct rule would, be, would, would worsen the situation. So they would need a technocratic prime minister. So they might appoint another person as the prime minister. And then they would offer elections. So that's what the military would do. So a prime minister means a prime minister without political support, a prime minister without the support of the Sudanese professional association. So such a prime minister would be under the thumb of the military. 
so that's what the military wants to do so they could use that as a um, as a compromise they, they they could tell the international community that we are making concessions etc etc but by doing this indirectly they could remain they could they would like to retain their uh, influence in the country but the challenge is that whether such a move would placate the protesters because sudan has been you know uh, caught in in a wave of in, in a cycle of protests since late 2018 and the protesters haven't they are not backing out so this is something we have to in egypt they backed out finally in the face of violence in the face of repression in myanmar they didn't the protesters didn't have enough political capital so that sections of the protesters they turned into uh that they, they took up weapons and started fighting join hands with the rebels and started fighting the rebels but in sudan the peaceful protests still continue every sunday and people are getting killed dozens of people are getting killed but still they continue the protest so this is posing a political challenge to the military so what will the military do now they can appoint a technocrat as the prime minister but if the protesters did not accept abdullah hamdok as their prime minister they are unlikely to accept anybody the military is going to appoint and establishing a direct rule would be out of question i think at least for now so the third option is to have a legitimate prime minister to have a legitimate prime minister the prime minister should be appointed by a legislative council and endorsed by the sovereignty council but the legislative council hasn't been formed yet and the sovereignty council was there which was disbanded by the military military didn't want the sovereignty council so the military is also in a difficult position you know they have power but they are also they, they faces different they, they faces difficult challenges because either they will have to go for a full repression of the protesters using more violence crush the protest completely and consolidate power which will trigger international uh, repercussions or they will have to make some kind of concessions to the protesters because the protesters are not ending their agitation they still demand full transition into democracy and they still demand the military and the burhan led uh, junda uh, transitional military council to be disbanded right well this is definitely a, a really tough time for the country um, not just for the political instability but also the economic hardships and the violence against the protesters and the fact that the democratic uh, transition seems to be stalling one needs to wait and see if it will make further progress or it will regress backward to even more uh, repressive era uh, thank you so much stanley for uh, sharing your insights and comments on this uh, developing story should hopefully get back to this uh, maybe after a few weeks or months to see uh, what the status is thank you so much so sure. thanks ambar my pleasure in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu we'll see you soon